welcome into the Quacked Out Podcast. This is Reed. Uh, unfortunately, we are not joined by Charlie today. Uh, he couldn't make it, but we arguably traded up. We've got the prodigy in the house. <laughs> we can <laughs> never trade up on this. Charlie, though. <laughs> Charlie's our boy. No, no, it's all in good fun. Yeah, we love Charlie. Um, he's been putting out good work on Scoop Duck recently. He's been doing some coaching profiles. He just put up one on uh, Tosh today, which was really a good read. The white whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys should definitely go check that out uh, on Scoop Duck, as well as my work and Jonathan's work, and of course Jay Hop's work, uh, and a bunch of other people. Jared Jared's work. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, today we're we've got the prodigy in the house, the recruiting guru. Um, and so we want to we want to kind of full steam ahead, talk about this 2023 class uh, and finish up a few things from 2022 as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the plan for today. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So first off, um, I want to just get your thoughts. We haven't had you on in a while. Um, so what do you think about this whole coaching transition, really? Like what? What's your perspective on the new staff? We haven't really had you on since that all changed. Yeah, so uh, when it when the first uh, Mario rumor started, I, I really didn't believe him much um, just because of the kind of individual that Mario was and then started to leak out more and more from, uh, uh, from the Miami side that like, hey, he's going to head out. And then that's when I really didn't buy it until like, the day before or two days before I was like okay he's pretty much gone um and then it was kind of just a like a wait and see period and then we found out about Lanning and that came out of Atlanta um chronicle journalism um and then yeah I just went from there and then he made a lot of good hires none that I'm like uh like oh there's a wink weakest link in there and so far pretty good I mean I'm pretty excited uh there's some coaches that I wanted at Oregon for a while, like Coach uh, Lapoy and uh, Coach Martin. Um, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I agree there for sure. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I think this 23 class is a big thing because I felt pretty good about the finish to the 2022 class for sure. But um, there was also some groundwork laid there by the past staff, and now it's really going to be on this group to kind of build those relationships from the start yeah and and the spring game is probably going to be huge like we're probably going to have a huge list um if you guys aren't subscribed make sure to go subscribe and uh check check that um list out when it comes out for the spring game because it, it's going to have a lot of five stars and it's going to have a lot of uh high-end high-end guys on that list yeah, that's that's a good segue into one of the questions I wanted to hit on early, um, kind of as an intro here. Uh, Zach asked us at Undercover Duck on Twitter. He said, "What's the early difference between the previous and current staffs when it comes to recruiting visits?" Um, what What did you think of that? You know, how, uh, what's your shoot. feeling about these early I, ones? I feel like they're they're kind of the same. Um like same like vibe energy i guess to say the least um i mean he's only had like three weekends to work mm -hmm. um but i mean so far when when me and reed have spoken to recruits they kind of all say like the, the same thing in between the lines that uh that 
they the coaches show a lot of energy a lot of love um they pay attention to like the details um uh easy to talk to um so really not much of a difference i mean uh like all the coaches hop in the photo um yeah 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 i would say um i mean when it was under cristobal it was never a problem with like the the players interacting with crystal ball or the staff, they always enjoyed that. I mean, Crystal Ball is a great recruiter for sure. I think the organization around the visits has been better. Like I think you see a guy like March Marshall Malco come in here yeah. and he's the list of visitors that we've gotten is really, really impressive for those first three weekends. Um, and so I think that there's a little that's a little better. You know, there was just a few hiccups behind the scene last year that they don't always get out, but I think it was not handled perfectly at times, which was a bit of a surprise um, and something that, you know, some people might not have known about, but I think it's that stuff's been cleaned up a lot with this new staff um, and the visitor lists have just been really impressive, but at the same time you keep, you know, in terms of when we interview the actual recruits, like you said, I'm hearing a lot of the same things. I mean, what are the two classic things that people talk about? It's the facilities and how much they love the staff. And that was true with the with the people I talked about, talked with, with the last staff. And it's true with this staff too, I would say. Yeah, and I feel like, I guess if you were to count a difference, like the staff is younger, like more mm -hmm. energetic, I guess. I'm not saying that like the old staff is like older or whatever, but uh uh there's just like a different like youth and a different like vibe to it um that, that like these like recruits can relate to more with this with this new staff yeah i definitely think that's a good point i mean mario was mario was a super serious guy for sure yeah uh, even though it was fun but he i think he was yeah building like a war machine kind of and he was those relationships with the staff i think he grinds his guys pretty hard and, and mm -hmm. works them pretty hard. And eventually I think some of that wore on those relationships a little bit. I think um, that this group is just super young and energetic, like you said. And I think they're all kind of what landing has done is he's brought in a lot of people and given them a lot of control and, you know, allowed them to do what they do best. And I think there's a lot of excitement from guys like Dillingham and Powledge who are also young to kind of help mold this thing and they're all excited like they all you know it's kind of like they all finally get to take over something there's no yeah. higher man like seeing over them forcing them to do it this way or that way uh and i think that there's been a lot of energy around that as a result yeah and and uh, even coach lanning said in the um february uh, national signing day uh interview press conference that he that he said that him and the staff are kind of just been like a frat house just uh <laughs> just hanging out in in the hotel room or like in a in a house whatever and uh just talking football talking life um which is cool to hear you know uh it's usually something you don't you don't usually hear about yeah yeah i would plug the um on the go ducks youtube channel there was like this two hour thing with joey mack where he goes through and interviews all of the staff members it's just like 10 minute interviews with basically everyone on staff um, but that was really good. So if people haven't listened to that, you should check it out. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I mean, I think a big thing was that I took away from it was just a lot of those guys saying, why did I come here because of who Dan Lanning is as a person? Like, 
they had other offers They're Most of them are highly sought after names. And they all were like, I've worked with this guy. I knew him from here or here. And I just have a lot of faith in like how he's going to build this program. So this is where I wanted to be. And I wanted to help him. Um, and so that was, that was awesome to hear. Uh, another question that I think we should hit on before we dive into 2023 real quick, um, is from ZB green one. Uh, and he was asking about Connor Lee kind of finishing up 2022. So mm -hmm. I'll just ask you, you know, if you had to make a pick right now or just break down, how do you see the Connor Lee recruitment? And then also, do you think there's any transfers or anyone else that Oregon picks up to finish up in 2022? Yeah, so for Connerly, it's going to come down to Oregon, USC. Um, if there was like a third team, it would probably be Oklahoma. Um, mm. I don't think Michigan's that much in the race anymore. Um, they just kind of have that first visit glow. Uh, I think if I were to make a prediction, it would probably be Oregon. Um, no biases, just uh, just because of uh, Adrian Clem's recruiting background and uh, his experience in the NFL with the Steelers most recently this past year. Um, yeah, that, that's where I would go with, with Connerly. And then for transfers, probably a running back, a safety, uh, another receiver, and then um, a D-line edge guy, if, if there's one worth taking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think for Connerly, I'm pretty much like right with you that it's probably an Oregon USC battle. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's really tough to tell who's going to win it, you know, cause I think we don't really have much data on what happens when these two staffs go up against each other. I mean, Oregon won the first one for Jaleel Florence. Um, and I guess Ayuli, they technically won, but you know, the USC staff wasn't quite as in on that one. Um, but even with Florence, you know, Oregon had some advantages there. I mean, it did look like he was going to go to USC for a little window in January, but at the end of the day, Oregon already had, you know, Tucker signed on the dotted line and they were, that relationship was super valuable in the recruitment. Which Martin helped too with that. Yeah. One. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I don't want to undersell what, what coach Martin and, and coach Lapoy did at all. Um, but this is going to be another big battle between these two staffs. Uh, and I think it's pretty even, I, it would be tough for me to make a pick, um, between the two right now. I think we'll just have to see, but I, I certainly like, you know, taking Adrian Clem's chances in any of these recruitments. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, USC has been, is a huge brand so we're going to see what they can do also yeah and like from if you're just looking at from a paper perspective they kind of are very similar like uh young both uh head coaches um uh offensive line coaches with a ton of experience uh brought in a bunch of guys and developed them into nfl players coach nfl players whatever yeah yeah 100 percent um I do also want to add real quick, uh, Lebeus Overton, uh, who reclassified in the 22 class. He will be visiting this spring and will be making a decision this summer. So he's reclassifying from 23 to 22. So there is still a shot with him. Um, I don't know how much, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, it seems like it's 
I've seen the early predictions shockingly come into Texas A&M for another five-star defensive lineman, a pretty ridiculous class for them. Um, but you never know, you know, if, if Oregon gets a guy on campus, there's always going to be a shot. Um, Especially with Coach Lining and LePoy's experience. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see what happens after that visit. Uh, it's not something I would expect as an Oregon fan right now, but it's like you see what happens after the visit and maybe things warm up. Um, and yeah, in terms of transfers, I should hit on that real quick too. I pretty much agree with you. Uh, running back safety receiver are the obvious spots that they could look at. Um, and depending on how many transfers out there are, we'll see how many they can take. Um, but then also, you know, I, I think that Coda at receiver probably makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think we can pretty much just jump into 2023 if you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah, okay. Um, so first note, just in terms of class size, I would say this looks like it's going to be a pretty full class if people yeah. are wondering about that. Um, and so that means likely around 25. It could push even more if there are transfers out now with that rule in place. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And I'm thinking kind of how as we go through these position groups, um, we can kind of say, you know, who we're thinking there, you know, are, are some players that Oregon's targeting and then also how many guys we think they ultimately probably finish with at each spot, uh, or how many they're trying to get at each spot. Um, so yeah, at, at the top, let's just dive into quarterbacks. Um, what's, what's your take on quarterbacks? The big discussion right now is Nico versus Jaden. It seems like, what do you yeah. think there? Uh, I, I, I would take I would take Nico uh, for sure. Uh, Nico is the far more polished prospect. Um, uh, of course, it's just picking up for like any quarterback when how fast they can pick up a college playbook because from high school to college is very different. Um, but I would I would take Nico uh, just because from a talent. But I do think Jaden is going is going to be good at the college level. Um, he just needs a little time to develop and clean, clean some things up. Yeah, for sure. I think um, for those who don't know, uh, ugh, I might butcher this, but Nico, I am uh, Lieva. Mm -hmm. That's you know? pretty yeah. close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways, most people just call him Nico, but he's a top 10 prospect. Um, he was on campus last weekend, I think it was uh in yep. in eugene mm -hmm. um and that visit was pretty crazy uh his dad was posting some really good stuff over on instagram that kind of took people behind the scenes um of the visit experience and so you know there's facility tour the track tour um and then it was really cool on sunday uh when there are some nfl games going um they brought they brought nico over to uh, the Airbnb that Noah Sewell has that, that kind of was worked out through him through Division Street. Uh, and there was a bunch of poly guys there. Haloti Nada was back in town. Um, so that was a super cool thing, I thought, yeah. uh, really selling that authentic connection, you know, that Oregon has and the Ohana jersey on the wall and all that stuff. Um, so Nico, it seemed like that was a big visit to put Oregon you know, right in the thick of things early in the recruitment. 
and then otherwise, I think Jaden Rashada <laughs> is the top 100 guy. Um, I think Oregon has a chance there for sure. Uh, I know Washington's involved and they like their chances supposedly, but I mean, I've just been sold that bag of goods from Huskies so many times that. Stanford's they, tough though. Yeah. Um, right. That's true. Yeah. Stanford it too. Uh, otherwise, you know, two other guys I think are worth mentioning are Dante Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of Michigan and they had him on campus. It's, it's a bit more of a long shot because of distance, but he's a five-star who you want to monitor what's, what happens there uh, and who Oregon could try to go all in on potentially if Nico or Rashada don't work out. Um, otherwise, I think, you know, Justin has mentioned that there's a chance Oregon takes two quarterbacks and that makes sense with the potential of Nick's leaving after this year. And then you just will have Butterfield and Ty left in the room. And, you know, depending how that quarterback competition goes, one of them could transfer out. So you might need to take two next year. Um, And so other guys you could take uh, Pierce Clarkson out of St. John Bosco just committed to Louisville. Uh, but I think if Oregon really tried to push there, there's a chance maybe that they could get involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two West Coast guys who are kind of high three stars that Oregon could go with, or I think one might be a four star is uh, Javance Tuiapoata Johnson and uh, Gabari Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, those are both West Coast guys that Oregon maybe could get involved when, with as a second quarterback in their class, but it's always tough to report, recruit two quarterbacks at once. So I wonder how that will go. Yeah. They, they, they'll probably like if best case scenario, they sign Nico and then go, go get a transfer quarterback, which would probably be the most ideal. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. You want to go running back? Yep. Okay. So um, this one's kind of interesting one for me because I look at it like they're kind of two two pools of players here. There's some West coast backs that are, um, Oregon has a good shot at who have built relationships with. And I kind of, the two big ones there, I think are Jaden Lamar, uh, and then Roderick Robinson out of Lincoln high school. Uh, Oregon has a strong, has made a strong investment there in the last staff getting, uh, tuck and flow. And so now, uh, it's, it's a question of can they capitalize on that and, you know, land this running back. Uh, Roderick Robinson, he's a bit lower rated right now, but I think he's one of those guys who potentially, you know, he could get some more opportunity, do well in the spring, and he surges up into a, you know, solid four-star, and that's a good pickup. And Oregon has a lot of ground laid in Lincoln already to kind of bring him in because of that. Um, so it'll be interesting to monitor both those guys, Robinson and Lamar. And then otherwise, I think a lot of fans want a big national name. Um, and I'm just interested to see if Oregon can make any traction with those guys. They've offered guys like Ruben Owens, Caleb Jackson, Richard Young, and others. Uh, I'm not sure they lead for any of them right now, but I I wonder if they can kind of get more solidly in the mix. What do you think there? Yeah, I, I think they'll probably take um, two running backs uh, mm-hmm. just because of the way the class is going to work out in the years to come. 
Um, with some of the more national guys, like you said, Ruben Owens, Richard Young, uh, Cedric Bax- Baxter Jr., Gary um, mm-hmm. Webb, um, and then the, the two local guys, Lamar and uh, Robinson. Um, I like, like you said, Robinson will probably be a four star by the end of by the end of the cycle. Um, he did perform perform well at the at a showcase yesterday in Vegas. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's where I kind of see it shaking out. Uh, they'll probably get two in, yeah. in the group. Yeah, exactly. Right now, I'm kind of thinking, you know, if I was just to make a way too early prediction, you you probably get Robinson. I know Cal and Arizona are pushing there, but I think if Oregon wants him, they can close that probably. And then maybe one of those one of those national names emerges and Oregon can get them. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw Oregon make a move on Jordan James and, and try to get involved with Andrew Paul too at the end of this cycle. And they did that very quickly. Uh, so I think the staff is probably capable of doing something like that again. I mean, maybe Lanning has a connection with one of these backs from his time at Georgia. Yep. Um, who knows, who knows where it goes, but I, I think two makes a lot of sense. Uh, and there's some good options there. Um, I, I think you just hope that Oregon can get really involved with one of those big national guys. Cause I think everyone wants a really highly rated running back to come in. Yeah. Especially the the tradition that it's Oregon's had at, at running back in the long history with all the great names that, that the program has had, but it would be a great steal to get a, uh Lamar uh steal one from the Huskies because they yeah, would be for very because sure. his dad and him grew up grew up Husky fans but they're not tied to the Husky program in any way and uh Lamar is going to do what's best for him at the end of the day right right exactly um let's go with receiver now what what are you thinking there who's standing out to you at receiver and how many uh, do you think Oregon will take too yeah, uh, so they were supposed to sign five guys um, in the 22 class. Uh, they only have uh, one one receiver right now, right, right Reed? Uh, yeah, I think so. Let me double check yeah. that real quick. And then uh, they're <laughs> probably going to snag Chase Coda uh, from the portal um, or just another receiver that's worth – taking um but for the 23 class they'll probably take three or four um like a bigger group um yeah especially like since they are kind of low on depth at a at receiver um coming into this year uh they'll right. probably take three or four like i mentioned um Jaden hale was a name uh Giontae cook uh, wasn't on the list re- recently that he posted, but Oregon can always get back in the mix. Um, DeAndre Moore, who just decommitted from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. um, is from Vegas, but plays at Los Alamitos in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles area. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a shot. Um, the staff hasn't reoffered him, so we'll we'll see how that one kind of plays out. Uh, Braylon James, Kyle Kastner. Who, uh, who Reed just had an article on. Go check that yeah. one out. Uh, 6'5 receiver, uh, one, one, or 6'5, 200 pounds. Um, Rico Flores, Derek English, Rashad Re- Williams, and uh, Jerome Dickey are kind of like 
the the big names to keep track of. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of receiver talent um out west and in general that this this staff can target. Um for me, I think two guys that stand out a lot are uh Jurion Dickey is a guy who's just been really pro Oregon with the old staff as well. It he's just seemed like a guy who wants to be a duck. Yeah. Uh I, you know, we'll see if it ends up that way, but early on, he's a guy who just seems really interested in the Oregon program. Uh, and right now, I mean, on three uh, has him at just outside the top 100. So that's a take for sure. Um, if the staff's evaluation lines up at all with, with the major recruiting services. Um, and then Kyler Casper, like you said, who I interviewed, um, I think that's a big one as well. I mean, he's out of Arizona. We've seen Dillingham tweet a lot about how much he loves Arizona and the connection, you know, hashtag desert ducks uh, to get them to come to Oregon. And I think Casper is a guy I know that the staff really likes. Um, and so, like you said, he's a bigger bodied guy, 6'5". Um, I think if you can get Dickey and Casper, that makes a lot of sense. For Casper, I know, you know, a, a, some of the early noise is, could he just go back to Iowa where his dad went? Um and yeah. so that will be a threat for sure. But uh, I think the staff's going to make him a priority. I know that they did well on that visit, like they almost always do. Um, so Casper and Dickey are two big ones for me. Uh, I think, you know, if you're just looking at a dream scenario, the third guy you'd fill in is, is like DeAndre Moore. Uh, but I don't know if that's realistic necessarily um, or just if that will happen. I mean, I think there's a chance, but... Uh, Otherwise, there's a lot of other names that you hit on uh, that that I would echo all of those pretty much as options for a third or fourth guy in the class. Yeah, uh, Rashid Williams is probably like that next guy after yeah. the after the names that we uh, mentioned, or like yeah, yeah, he would, he would probably be the most realistic next option to to add. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, moving on to tight end. Uh, big story here is Riley Williams. He's a top 100 guy in state. Uh, you don't really get many of those at Oregon. Uh, he goes to Central Catholic in Portland, uh, just mm -hmm. a few blocks away from my house in Portland. So I know that program well. Uh, and he's an Oregon legacy. His brother, older brother Corbin, uh, is on the team right now. So mm -hmm. you'd think if the Ducks want this guy, they'll probably go after him. Uh, and probably have a good shot, you know, based on the connections to the program. And that seems like how, you know, I'd guess it would go this far out again, like with recruiting, things can change all the time, but um, we saw, we saw the pro we saw landing make an early statement kind of going after a Marion Winston and getting that commitment at the last second and going after justice low mm -hmm. that he cares about locking in the state of Oregon. And so if you have a top 100 guy, why wouldn't you go after him? Um, so Riley Williams is one guy I see, uh, but, you know, there's a potential to take another tight end or maybe that doesn't work out. Who are some other names at tight end that you uh, are looking out for? Yeah, so I, I think they probably take two tight ends. This is probably the most intriguing group. Also exciting uh, because mm -hmm. there are multiple um, top one, 150 prospects. Uh, Deuce Romson, who's out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona, 
uh, Walker Lyons, who's out of Folsom, California. Um, that's mm -hmm. in the Northern California area, right? It's close by uh, Sacramento. Uh, Riley Williams, like we touched on out of the Portland area. Yep. And uh, Jackson Bowers, um, yep. who, who's kind of a, a, a mid, a mid tier four star, but, uh, but he, he is a name worth mentioning. Um, but I do think they will take two just because there's multiple names. Like, like I mentioned, the first three uh, Lions, Williams and Romson, who you can't miss on um, and, and you can't turn, turn away and say no to. 100%. I would say the, those are the exact same names that that stand out for me. Um, in general, I would say, you know, with Bowers being out of Arizona, as well as Deuce Robinson being out of Arizona. For me in this class, when I see a guy is out of Arizona, I'm putting a little star by their name because Dillingham has talked about wanting to go into Arizona a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, you have USC coming in in California. And you know, they're going to get their slice of the pie in Southern California. And so Oregon mm -hmm. has to look at some other areas out West and Arizona is one of the most talent rich States and they have connections there. Right. So I think that building out that Arizona pipeline, which Oregon's already done a bit in past classes, but this class kind of building on it, this staff coming in and doing that uh, is something to look out for. So yeah, I could see a, a situation where you take Riley Williams and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, maybe it's Lions out of California, but if not, maybe one of those two Arizona tight ends also. Yeah, like any combination of two, two out of the out, out of the three top names that we mentioned, Robinson, Lions, or uh, Williams are, are a great combination. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, okay, let's go to go to offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. um so i think it's it's good to note here clem talked about this a bit on his interview um but he's kind of interesting recruiter um because he talks about how he really likes to recruit a small number of players he likes to recruit you know eight or ten guys maximum and really focus on building those relationships uh and landing hopefully you know half of them uh yep. i know some some people might listen to that and cringe a little bit maybe it sounds like the husky you know offer system uh but clem has the results to back it up right um yeah. so i'm not going to judge too much with his strategy uh look i mean we'll we'll see how it goes right if you don't get the job done then that's a bad thing but he's he has a good track record right um yeah and, and i'm sure it was passed by landing like hey like uh my recruiting philosophy is i'm going to recruit or contact 10 guys a class and uh, see uh, who who fits best and uh, go from there. Right, exactly. And it, I mean, it works when you, in order for that to work, you have to be a really good recruiter, which Clem is, you know, and you have to be able to say, I'm going to have a 50% hit rate uh, on these recruiting, on, on these recruits. And he's been able to do that. Um, in terms of names, um, I'm not going to bury the lead. One big guy is uh, Francis Maui Goa mm -hmm. uh, out of IMG. Um, he's, but he has the poly connection out West. Uh, and it seems like that's maybe an Oregon USC battle early on. Yeah. Uh, he just visited Miami. Uh, his brother went to Washington state or still plays there currently. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think it's, I think his older brother used to play at Washington State, if I'm uh, correct. And uh, he is a top 10 prospect, probably top five. Um, uh, let's see, what else? Spencer Fano, who performed yep. very well at the Saturday Night Live camp, uh, played really, really well against one of the top D-line at that camp. Um, yep. Logan Reichert is another name from Missouri. Samson Okunaloa uh, from uh, Massachusetts. They just offered last week, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, any names worth and then Elijah yeah. Page also from Arizona <laughs> right right um Miles McVeigh is a guy that I know they had on campus recently um I think in general I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see who emerges on this offensive line uh yeah. Fano and um Malagoa are two guys early on who I think are kind of I'm pretty confident are going to be in that group of eight to 10 that Clem's focused on. Um, Mm -hmm. And we'll see who he likes from there. Um, You know, I mean, that big recruitment with Malgo is definitely a major one to watch. Right. Um, I mean, a guy like Landon Hatchett is, is out of the West coast. Uh, Same with Micah Bunuelos. And those are, you know, those are both in Washington guys. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how this one progresses. It's a little hard to project. Uh, I'll also say, I mean, look at like, what did he do? What did Clem do at the end of the 22 class? He took Kawika Rogers, who was a guy who fit his measurables, but wasn't quite as highly rated. Uh, I think that there's a potential for someone like that who we couldn't possibly kind of know right now uh, isn't on our radar yet to just kind of pop out and be a a guy that they take as a developmental guy. And then you try to hit on, you know, two, three, four stars to go along with that. But the offensive line group right now uh, is honestly pretty big. Um, And I wonder if this staff will try to trim those numbers down a little bit. uh, And, and kind of, you know, if you look at what landing did at Georgia in terms of defense, he was big on rotating bodies uh, in the Mm -hmm. front seven. Right. And so, that kind of, you know, if you given the scholarship limit of 85, maybe it's a situation where, you know, with crystal ball, Oregon like to rotate bodies on the offensive line, which is kind of unorthodox thing to do. Maybe now you cut back on offensive line bodies a little bit and you add some more depth on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wonder if those numbers will balance out. And as a result, Oregon might take, you know, three to four offensive line guys, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it'll probably be closer to three, um, just because with the depth they have currently at uh, at all the garden uh, tackle spots, but they need more tackles than guards in this class. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, next we can move over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, I'm going to try to separate between defensive line and edge, but I will ask for our man QB 11 to forgive us if we don't evaluate all these guys correctly between defensive line and edge. Uh, he's, he's a bit better at that than, than other people. So I defer to him. If he says on Twitter that some guy we listed as a defensive line is actually an edge or otherwise, uh, listen to QB 11 over me for sure. He's, he's a lot smarter football mind, but, uh, <laughs> uh 
Yeah. So anyways, we'll start with the actual defensive line. We can touch on edge in a second. Um, mm -hmm. What are you, what are you seeing there? Uh, so David Hicks from Texas. Yeah. Uh, Jaden Wayne uh, from Washington, huge, huge get or need. Uh, Oregon was his first offer in the 2019 in, in 2019. Uh, he's visited Oregon plenty of times. Um, so now his number is being called to, to make the decision this year. Um, he's already visited with the new staff. Uh, I believe that first weekend, if not second weekend, um, uh, during the month of January, um, Derek LeBlanc, they offered, uh, Amaro Washington from Arizona, yep. Yep. Who, who's a big name to follow. Um, and then Samu, um, um, it's really hard to pronounce his name, but Samu T from Texas, 6'3", yeah. 380 pounds. Yep. Yep. Uh, those are a bunch of guys I would list as well. Uh, Samu T is definitely uh, a guy that the staff has made a priority on early on. He's flown under the radar of a lot of the recruiting services, but I mean, the measurables, the athleticism are there. So that's a guy, if you can make an investment early and land him, that would be a huge get, I think. Um, Omari Washington uh, is another guy I listed um, who I'd be really excited about. I mean, in general, I think that we're all excited to get some bigger, uh, more highly rated defensive linemen in here mm -hmm. because the last staff was a little more took a diamond in the rough approach, I guess, which is, you know, it, it worked out all right. But ultimately, I think that dominating the defensive line is a huge way to take control of this conference and then also translates really well to being able to compete when you get in a playoff. Um, so getting more talent there would be a big thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, with Jaden Wayne, you mentioned, you know, I know some services have an edge, some have them at D line. I'm not sure where the staff is exactly. more of an edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we can, we can transition into edge as with Wayne, I guess that's a good thing to do. Um, Wayne is one of the two big guys that are on the West coast five stars that Oregon has a chance to capitalize on um and to kind of i mean everyone says you know when Kayvon walks out the door you're not going to get another one of those guys in there and i think that's true in large part but you're not going to get a lot closer than these two guys that oregon's targeting so the first one Jaden wayne i think the ducks are in a great position there honestly um i i might have the ducks as the leader there long term i feel like in terms of who's going to win that recruitment out uh he's out of washington so the ducks have some advantage in terms of proximity there and then uh i saw a recent interview with him where he said you know they asked him who do you play like uh who you know what's what's your pro comps and he said Kayvon thibodeau and miles garrett and obviously Kayvon thibodeau went to oregon and then miles garrett worked with tosh in cleveland um so I have a feeling that that line, I mean, I and think schematically Jayden, too, it fits Wayne better to run in that three, four multiple uh, front front defense mm -hmm. and then versus a four, three, because you would just be a straight uh, end guy. Right. Right. So I think I, I like Oregon's chances a lot there. That's, mm -hmm. that would be a huge, huge get. I mean, that's a five-star, right? So, yep. so that's a big one. Um, 
And then the other guy is, is Mateo Uyunglele. And he probably recognized that last name. Uh, you're right. If you do, it's, it's not by chance. He's the younger brother of DJ, yep. DJ U, who of course, you know, we all remember that recruiting battle where he picked Clemson at the last second uh, after Oregon was really looked like they had a good shot for a while there. Um, so now it's, it's round two. Uh, I think Clemson's going to lose big again for Mateo because his older brother's there. Um, but you, you hope that this staff can do a good job as well. I know his dad, uh, Big Dave, has been really, really positive on Twitter about the Ducks. Uh, he was in a space and kind of had some good interaction with fans. Uh, and he's talked about how there's, there's kind of more of a family feel with this staff that he really liked. Um, so that would be, that, that's a big one as well, for sure. What's yeah. your read on those, those two recruitments early on? Yeah. So with Wayne, um, they're really sticking out on him. Uh, he really likes what they're going to run for a defensive front. Uh, just kind of, he's just waiting to see how it looks like. Um, I think there's a really good shot with him. And then with Mateo, um, there's a really good shot with him too. Uh, he visited Oregon and USC uh, same day. Uh, dad, dad loves, dad loves the Oregon Ducks. Um, his dad said Mateo is going to do what's best for him. It's not a for sure uh, shot that, uh, that he's going to go to Clemson. Um, mm. Another name to watch is Tuasili uh, Akana from Utah. And then another name is uh, Samuel Mipenge uh, from yeah. IMG Academy, but lives in Missouri, just uh, just goes to IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, he's tweeted about the Ducks multiple times, uh, close with Coach Locke. Um, he's a 6'4", 230 outside linebacker, probably fits the 3-4 scheme better, um, especially with the ties that Lanning has to IMG Academy, which which is a good good thing to have and and that's a top 10 prospect just so people people know on impemba um but yeah like you said i mean legit top 10 right uh just recently i've been three right um so that's a big one for sure i think that if you can if you can get involved there uh that's that would be huge i mean impemba is kind of a guy who's uh like you said, he tweeted some product stuff on Twitter, but he yeah. also seems like a guy who, who likes to tease a bit on Twitter too. You know, I mean, some guys are yeah. like that, uh, which. And no there, he, is cool. a, he is a straight up five-star top, top 10 prospect. You can make the case for a top five at the end of the day when the cycle is over with. Right. Exactly. Um, so I say that to just say, you know, I, just because he tweets out duck emojis, that doesn't mean that Oregon leads or anything. But uh, I would say, you know, as always, it's if, a good if, thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a good thing. And if you can get him on campus, you're going to have a shot. So which uh, I'm sure he will visit with with the way he's interacted with Coach Locke on Twitter and uh, all the pro Oregon stuff. I'm sure we'll, we'll hear. Oh, snap. Uh, Samuel Mepenge will will visit for the spring game, for example, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. That kind of wraps up those. You want to go to linebacker now? Uh, yeah. But another name real quick that they just mm -hmm. offered to yeah, was Ad Jobo uh, Adaware from Missouri. Um, just another name to follow. So uh, those other names that we mentioned and then um, 
uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, in general, I would say too, just with USC kind of emerging out West, uh, Oregon can go national. They have a, nas- a staff with a national footprint. And so getting guys, whether it's in Texas or Missouri or Arizona or Georgia or whatever it is, like Oregon might have to do that. Uh, and which and I'm glad like the staff can do, like they have the recruiting chops and experience to go, go east of Texas and beyond and uh, get the guys that they feel that is the best fit for the program and can help elevate the program. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, all right, linebacker. This one was kind of, uh, kind of has been tough for me to, uh, to figure out honestly who they're going after. But I think uh, Cialia Sarah is one name that I talked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that update will be up on him shortly. Um, who else? Who else are you seeing at linebacker? Yeah. So Anthony Hill. So Oregon offered Anthony Hill probably like a month ago at this point. Like he was like one of the first few offers to go out uh when when coach Lanning was hired and uh when the staff was barely being put together um I don't remember who offered him but he was kind of the first few offers uh he he's a top 10 prospect um uh he said he's going to come out with the top five soon uh, I don't know I have a sneaky feeling that Oregon's going to sneak in there um I'm not too sure uh, but we'll, we'll see how, how that one plays out. And then Jaden Osbury out of uh, Louisiana uh, goes to the mm-hmm. University Lab out, out of Baton Rouge, uh, top, top 100 prospects. Um, yeah, I think uh, Leona Lafau uh, yeah. is another, another backer uh, out of Hawaii um, who – who Oregon could have a shot with for sure. Uh, kind of four-star guy. Um, yeah, honestly, it, like I said, it's, it's a little bit tough for me to sort through the line, the kind of plan at linebacker right now. Uh, there aren't a ton of offers out and a lot of them are national. Um, maybe Oregon emerges for some of these guys. Maybe, you know, they, they figure out uh, another guy to go for. But um, we'll see. I mean, it's yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I expect Tosh and Landing to both have a heavy role there uh, mm-hmm. with linebacker recruiting. So that's going to be interesting. I mean, maybe those are two guys who have been busy with some other things uh, who are going to attack linebacker a little harder as spring progresses. But we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, uh, a few other names too, like you said, Isala, uh, Isera, Trey Edwards. And our role, uh, Aguirre, are probably mm-hmm. some other names to, to follow, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Uh, do you want to go into cornerback now? Yep. Yeah, so big thing here is is you have Cole Martin already in the mix. That's a top 100 guy. Mm-hmm. That's, a ma- that's a massive commitment. Um, but it's kind of compounded by the fact that, right, he's the son of Coach Meat, so – I, that's a locked in stone pretty much, you know, I, yeah. I mean, as much as there's, you never know in recruiting, that's as close to a sure thing as it gets pretty much. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, he's basically another recruiter on the staff for the Ducks in this class, it feels like. Uh, and that can be really, really valuable. Um, so that, that's a big get. Uh, and then you look at who, how do you pair someone with him? at cornerback. I mean, it seems like 
nowadays you take corner two cornerbacks almost every class uh so Mm -hmm. who would Oregon add next to him I think uh three names that stand out with me early and you can add more kind of weigh in on these um Mm -hmm. Caleb Presley Dalen Austin Austin and Roderick Pleasant uh what do you think of those guys or are there anyone else that's really standing out for you yeah and sorry if we forgot to mention they'll they'll probably take five guys line and probably um three to four for linebacker but for corner they'll probably take uh three three guys um martin is probably is one name of course that's already in the class and they'll take two more corners uh jvn uh tobiano uh from Mm -hmm. texas five-star mm-hmm. guy top, top 30 prospects uh presley can't can't miss on him from washington um Dylan austin aaron williams roger pleasant um uh josiah wagner that they offered uh jay sean frostu ramos and that's probably about it that the staff has offered and um I've kind of like had talks with and uh, are, are pursuing at the moment. Right, right. Um, Cormani McLean out of Florida is a huge offer. I mean, he's the number three player for on three, uh, but it seems like that, you know, there's a good chance he'll probably stay in the South when all is said and done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any one of these guys uh, that kind of really stands out to you next to Cole Martin or are you not really there yet? Probably Javian Tobiano. Um, he said he's going to post a top five soon. Um, right. I was kind of talking to him yesterday, so I'm trying to schedule an interview uh, with mm-hmm. him sometime this week. So hopefully I can get an update on him and post it up on the website. Um, Presley, and then probably like uh, Roger Pleasant and Dalen Austin are kind of like the more key names process for, for the cornerback spot because USC is going to get their fair share. Coach Dante Williams does a really good job at, at recruiting and developing guys, but, um, and then Oregon's just going to get their pick, but they're going to go head to head for their corner prospects. Like Oregon's going to get one and USC is going to get the other vice versa. I think that's 100% true. Uh, yeah. That, that's another aspect of getting Cole Martin early. Uh, is that it's a position that's going to be harder to recruit against Dante Williams than a lot of them. Uh, but Coach Meat will get his guys, but but it's nice to have one in the bag, and then you know you just need to win one or two of those other battles now, rather than needing to win three for top, you know, for blue chip guys. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, last last position group, we're coming down the home stretch here, safety. Uh, this is one the Ducks need some help at for sure. Um, you talked about, you know, maybe it could be a transfer, uh, either this class or maybe they bring one in next class. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, there, there needs to be some help in terms of the future at safety for Oregon right now, like scoop David in the program seems like the guy that people are most excited about. Who's the young guy. Uh, and maybe Trey John comes in and it's really good. You know, maybe you move some guys around to Bennett corner to safety, but it's a position to prioritize. Um, one guy I talked to recently, uh, was Mikhail Harrison pilot. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying Oregon leads here by any means, but he was positive about the ducks and, 
it, you know, it, it is interesting that Powledge is a safeties guy from Texas and Mikhail Harrison pilot is probably a safety and he's from Texas. Um, I wonder if that's a, that's someone that Oregon has high on their list. Uh, and then, you know, I'm kind of looking beyond that. What do you see? Uh, yeah. So pilots and then, um, RJ Jones, who just committed yep. to Cal yesterday, I believe, if not two days ago already at this point, um, he, he's visited Oregon in the past. Uh, he visited for the Oregon state game, but I'm sure, um, he'll revisit Oregon. Uh, he's close with coach me in his childhood days. Um, him and his dad go way back. Um, some other names to follow are uh, Caleb Downs from Georgia. They offered him uh, five-star prospects. And then Ty Lee is another name from St. John Bosco. And then Ryan Yates is a safety from Texas are kind of like the bigger names to follow. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how this thing works out for sure. Uh, I think RJ Jones is a big one. It was a hit to see him commit to Cal. Uh, but like you said, in recruiting, it's, it's never over. So I'm excited to see if, if Oregon can maybe get back involved there. Um, and then in general, I just wouldn't doubt the staff's ability to target a guy late and go and get him. Like Kamari Terrell at the end of this cycle was a huge example of that. Yep. Uh, maybe there's, you know, some guy that Oregon prioritizes late uh that they get you know whether it's a guy that they reevaluate and whose stock rises after an early signing day you know and and they get him in the home stretch before february or whatever it is mm-hmm. um all right i think that pretty much does it for our position by position preview um i, I think they probably take two safeties fyi um, yeah uh, that's pretty standard at this point. Um, so yeah. Okay. So let's wrap it up just with a few of these questions we can circle back on. Um, a big one that I think everyone's going to wonder about uh, off the top is, is what, where's this class going to rank when it's all said and done? Uh, what do you think about that question? So they finished uh, top seven at number 17, right? For on three. I'm, uh, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, then, yep, that's right. And then for 24-7, they finished um, right in the top 25. Um, so for, the, for this next class to have a full cycle that the staff will be able to work on, uh, they'll for sure finish within the top 15, probably between the 10 and uh, 15 range, if not uh, somewhere better than that than 10. But that's like the safe guess right now is between 10 and 15 at the very least. Yeah, I think that's where most people are for sure. Um, it's a little bit, you know, one of the things I want to get over on on three is that class prediction tool um, is pretty mm-hmm. valuable. Uh, and so I was playing around with that a bit at uh, over on 247. And obviously their their class rankings are a little bit different for how they do, you know, how they weight the team rankings in terms of number of commits mm-hmm. uh, versus quality of those commits. But anyways, um, you know, just kind of in fooling around with it, I think if you go through a lot of the top guys on this list and you have like the ideal finish, you hit on 80% of them or something, there's, you know, the ceiling for this class is 
right around 300 in the 247 rankings, which is a, you know, gets you in the top five about um, around fifth, maybe fourth or third, depending on the year. Um, but that's probably pretty unlikely uh, in terms of hitting on all those guys. Um, but let's say, you know, if, if, if this staff is built off of, you get a big fish like Wayne as kind of the core of it. And then you add to him either a Nico or Rashada. You lock in guys like Dickie and Casper. You get Williams, the in-state tight end. And then you build out from there with a bunch of, you know, guys rated from top, you know, from 100 to 600 or something, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you get a, half of those are more blue chip guys or something. Uh, that probably puts Oregon right in the 270 range based on kind of the, the messing around I did over on, on the class predictor, uh, class calculator, which is, you know, 270 is the mark usually that I think of for top 10 uh, or fringe of top 10. Um, so I feel the same way as you, uh, but it's tough to predict with this class, honestly, because it's a whole new staff. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I want to tamper expectations from fans as much as possible, just so that they aren't, you know, overly disappointed. But at the same time, uh, based on Tosh's and Clem's and Landing's reputations as recruiters, mm-hmm. as well as a bunch of, you know, coach meet go down the list. It's tough for me to bet against those guys. Uh, and I think there is a chance that Oregon does, you know, go, just just win a lot of these battles you know if Oregon does get Nico and they get you know Mateo Ngalele and Jaden Wayne and Francis Malagoa that all of a sudden that's four or five stars right like Mm -hmm. and that's not completely impossible to happen at all um so that you know, and, and if they do that, that's, that class is going to be damn good for sure. Especially if you add in Cole Martin and Riley Williams, who are top hundred guys, and maybe you get another one on top of that, like that's starting to look like a really, really good class. Um, so that's not the expectation necessarily, but I think it's, it's possible for sure. Yeah. Like, like I do think they will land at least one five-star in the class uh for sure mm-hmm. for sure um like there's no like there's a real shot like i mentioned earlier that they land mateo and Jaden wayne in this mm-hmm. class and once you just add nico wayne um and then uh mateo like that that class is just going to be off to a good start or whatever that class is at is just a big booster yeah yeah a hundred percent i think that there's yeah, I probably would put, um, I would say like two five stars would be my expectation. Yep. You know, exactly. on average, um, but it could go to three uh, pretty easily. You know, if you hit on three fourths of that, of that group of Nico, uh, Malagoa, Wayne, mm-hmm. and Uyunglele, like I like I've kind of mentioned a few times here. I think those are the big five stars. Oregon probably has the best chance four uh and is like seriously within a group of three or four teams that has you know the lead that is co-leading for those guys early on um yeah 
Yeah, uh, because Oregon will probably sign more than 25 in this class. Um, just because exactly. of the scholarship numbers and and they're taking a small smaller class this year in the 22 class just because yep. of the fact that they want to load up in 23 and uh re, re reload the the, the shelves um in a 100, sense 100 right so i mean if you are you're able to do that um you're able to take a big class there's a chance for this to be highly rated and i think that there's something to say just about like the optics battle between Oregon and USC early in this in both these staffs tenure like it's gonna look bad if USC lands a top three class and Oregon lands the 15th class you know yep. um, so even if it's a bigger class even if you know it's whatever it, it looks better than it is or something which I'm not saying that it necessarily will but but regardless winning the early battles against USC are important. Like, and that means in recruiting and on the field, you know, if Oregon can land a top 10 class this cycle, that's a statement to say they'll stick around while USC is, you know, kind of building something. And if on the field, Oregon can win the conference this year, that would be huge. Uh, and kind of weathering the early momentum that USC is trying to build. Um, and of course, this could all change because this class will be more full uh, come come by this after the spring game. Um, mm -hmm. Like we're, Oregon only has one commit currently, and USC, I think, only has like three or four. So we'll we'll have a better read on on this class when um, after the spring game once we're already one fourth of the way through the recruiting cycle. Yeah, yeah, I should mention, I think USC has three commits, but the thing that stands out about them is they're all five stars. They have yeah. uh, Malachi Nelson. They're all guys that followed from Oklahoma. Yeah, well, Malachi like, Nelson, yeah. Mikai yeah. Lemons, and Zach Branch, right. Mm -hmm. um, the last, we've, we've hit a few from him, but the last question from Tyler Weber um, that I wanted to hit on was the next 2023 player to commit. You kind of talked about the timeline a bit. When do you think Oregon sees another commitment? Because I personally, I don't see a guy who I feel like is about to pop right now necessarily. No, I, I don't think right now. I think probably heading closer into the spring game, probably like that weekend or the weekend after. Um, mm -hmm. There's always a commitment either the weekend before or the weekend of, if not the weekend after, um, just because it's all about building momentum and you kind of just try and space out all these commitments. Um, yeah in between each other yep i think that's a great point uh i think that we've seen it happen the past few cycles with oregon uh and i think that it's probably going to happen again uh is that kind of window between the spring game and the start of the season uh you know may june and july is going to be, be really busy recruiting time uh and in terms of the next you know time we're going to see a commitment I think the spring game is a good guess. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you have to look at Oregon's the going to have a good, clear picture of the quarterback room because all the quarterbacks commit in the spring uh, just because they try and be that quote unquote class builder and uh, mm -hmm. be the guy that leads the program and uh, is the guy that helps build the top 10 class or the, the top class or whatever. Yeah, that's a huge thing, right? So Oregon has some ground to make up, um, but getting Nico and Rashada both on campus at the end of January was a huge thing because 
those recruitments are going to go faster than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. Um, and so it's big to try to get those guys locked in. Um, who do you think that could be? You know, if you were to just take your shot, who who's that guy who commits at the spring game? It's, it's tough to say exactly because the staff's still building relationships. Obviously it's different than the past few cycles, but is there anyone you'd take a shot at and, and say, uh, I would say probably Caleb Presley or Riley Williams, if not Nico or Jaden Rashad are probably the next one. But that's like closer to the spring, at least for now. Like this is all just guess because I have no yeah. clue like when their timelines are, like if they're going to even visit Oregon like in the spring or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I would definitely say the exact same thing. It, it big warning that this is a lot of speculation right now because we don't have we don't have anyone who has a commitment date set or you know anything or like that. Oregon for yeah. the game or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, guys that could pop. I think Riley Williams being in state is the obvious one if they push for him. Um, I think, like I said, I mean, Jurion Dickey. Uh, with how positive he's been about Oregon for a while, maybe he gets really comfortable with this new staff and they push and he just does it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a guy like Roderick Robinson, that's a long time relationship too. Uh, I know Cal and Arizona are involved. Uh, so it kind of depends if Oregon goes all in and they say, we'll take your commitment right now. Like we like, we like your film a lot. We want you to be here. Maybe that's something they could do, but uh, you know, Again, these are total speculation right now for sure. Um, but it's that spring game's a big date to highlight, like you said. Uh, it's a big opportunity to kind of get the ball rolling for this for this class. Um, let's look through here at some more questions. Uh, I'm trying to see what what have we missed. We're doing pretty well. Um, top five most important gets for the 2023 class? So quarterback, probably Nico. Yeah. Uh, Jim Wayne. Yep. Uh, Caleb Presley. Um, Dickey. And then probably Fano or Frances Minoga O-line. Yep. Um, I, think, I think that's a good list for sure. Uh, Wayne and Nico have to be at the top of it for me, I would yep. say pretty much. Um, and if Nico doesn't come, then Rashada moves to the top of it, right? Um, I think Presley was an interesting one. Uh, he seems like a stud to me. I would love to get, get a guy like yeah. Presley. Um, Francis Maoga uh, being a top 10 guy would be huge. Um, yeah, in terms of my actual top five, though, like I said, Nico. For me personally, Wayne. if I were to add a fifth one, it would be Samuel, just because I'm a huge. Uh, I I really like his tape and what what mm-hmm. he can predict as as an outside linebacker. So that'd be like my own personal like fifth one. Yeah, I think that's a great call. Um, I even a guy like Amari Washington. It's kind of like a random one, but I think it's just like a a blue chip defensive lineman out of Arizona is just mm-hmm. kind of that would be a big you know guy to get um yeah and those receivers like I said I mean Dickie and Casper I mentioned are big on 
on my list. Yeah, I think we we did a pretty good job there. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for questions. One more we had uh, that we should hit on that's not necessarily uh, recruiting related, um, but it's from uh, Troy Franklin's dad at Jugmaster General on okay. Twitter. Um, yeah, he's he's the man. Definitely shout out to him. He's been Great. awesome in in Twitter Spaces. Um, he Today's was asked also yeah yeah um he said you know predict the stats for the offensive skill groups uh wide receiver running back and tight end it's, it's a tough thing to do i'll say um you know to really break it down by position uh but if i were to just point in the direction of of how i think this offense is going to look mm-hmm. um i would say look at what norvell and Dill- dillingham did at memphis and a big hallmark of their time there was producing uh, big numbers for those skill position guys, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, what is it going to look like? I think we still have to see if a transfer running back comes in. That will shake things up. But, I mean, Cardwell is a guy who could rush, you know, for close to 1,000 yards, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think that would be at all shocking. Uh, if you see a guy like Cardwell have, you know, 900 to a thousand and Sean dollars have, you know, 500 behind him mm-hmm. and then seven fills in and has 200, 300, uh, maybe something like that. And then in terms of receiving, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, um, Troy, yeah, like for receiving, you'll a, probably be closer to like three three thousand and then uh just rushing just collectively probably too just because they're going to get the ball a lot to the tight ends and um utilize the the young guys that they have like uh, Mataveo and uh and ferguson you got to just get those guys the ball right uh, exactly yeah so i expect you know i expect that um hopefully franklin i mean is a guy who i Franklin and Thornton, I am super high on. I think they both can be really good. And Chris Hudson too. I think they're going to split it, um, you know, split the numbers pretty easily. I don't see one of them completely engulfing the others. I don't think it's going to be like what Dylan Mitchell was in 2018, where we yeah. have a, you know, over a thousand yard receiver and then a bunch of people hanging out around the 300s or something. Um, I think that they're all going to be in the, you know, 500 to, 800 range maybe um and then they'll get some yeah like either troy or dante will take the lead and uh have the most total yards yeah yeah exactly um so yeah i hope that helps uh i will say you know just in general i mean there's definitely um definitely this offense has a reputation for getting you know, really high uh, yardage numbers for for the top skill position guys. So hopefully that holds over with this offense. Um, I'm excited to hopefully pass the ball more uh, and kind of get some more big plays like we even saw just in the Alamo Bowl um, and get those receivers involved, right? Fruit, unleash the skinnies, as they say. <laughs> yeah. So quick question. So who, what do you think is your uh, season prediction? Cause right now, currently I have 10 and two. 
you have 10 and two. Uh, let me pull up the schedule just really quick so I can kind of make but sure I'm not overselling myself. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, I think if you get to 10 and two, you feel pretty good. Uh, I mean, I will say I'm, I felt like, you know, what would the, what will the Vegas win total probably be? Probably nine wins um, is how they're going to feel about us. Because if you just look at like, if you look at the schedule, um, you see the Georgia game jumps off the page in the Utah game. And you think like, well, Georgia just won the national title and Utah murdered Oregon twice last year. <laughs> so it seems hard to like go out on a limb and predict either of those to be wins off the top. Um, and then you see, you know, probably a trip up game somewhere else in there. I think UCLA is going to be good. Um, I think Oregon State will continue to be pretty solid. Um, but, you know, BYU is not bad. I think a big thing about this year, though, that's different from last year is a lot of these games are at home, right? You get yep. Utah at home, you get Washington at home, you get UCLA at home. Um, you have that Georgia game as a neutral site uh, in Atlanta. Um joking there obviously but yeah so i think i think i'd probably say nine and three right now i think ten and two is definitely possible um i think next year for me my goal is just to win the conference yep uh that's the big thing i think we took a little hit in terms of the roster new staff all this stuff uh and you have georgia week one so it's not i'm i'm stepping off like a playoff or bust take a bit um that some people would have but it's possible at the same time uh i'll tell you what though i mean one that game in georgia is just like the game where we travel to ohio state where it's going to be tough to predict a win but you kind of just hope that something magical happens like it did with the ohio state game mm -hmm. uh, and maybe these guys show up and can do it um so that would change the whole uh, way I look at the season if Oregon gets that done um, but yeah, otherwise right now for the Georgia yeah. game like I have like Georgia winning by a nine and a half point spread like I would take Georgia on the nine and a half right now currently. yeah yeah I think that's probably fair I'm, I'm gonna actually um, me and Charlie are going on a on a Georgia podcast at the end of this week um, on Friday so I'm excited to kind of compare some notes with them and just see how they feel about Georgia after coming off a national title, how much they think they'll, they'll drop off after that season. Um, so I'll, I'm interested to look into that game more. I'm not sure exactly where I'm going to land on it. Uh, otherwise though, I'll say like, like I said, games are in Autzen and part of that is good, but also like that is a responsibility on the fans to show up and, control those games like we absolutely need wins and we always need to beat washington uh we got to make sure nothing crazy happens versus stanford uh but i think ucla and utah are probably the hardest conference games oregon's gonna play um and let's you know let's try to make those hostile environments right let's pay utah back the favor for what they did to us last year uh and then you know, UCLA is a solid team as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and the Beaver game uh, at the end of the year, you know, go. they were a really good team in Corvallis last year. They upset some teams at home. So it's not one to totally sleep on, but, um, yeah, we'll see.
Um, yeah, anything else you have? I feel like we we pretty much ran through this and and pro- provided a pretty good preview for people. I hope. I I hope we answered everyone's questions uh, thoroughly and uh, and uh, like the best to our ability. But uh, that that's what we got right now currently, and hopefully in the spring we have a few more answers for you guys with uh, with the recruiting class and everything. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is is projecting a bit uh, new staff taking over, but we wanted to, you know, embrace the challenge, come on and kind of give out whatever kind of rough blueprint we could for what this thing could look like. Um, and hopefully we'll have you back on, you know, in the spring uh, and in the summer and, and we'll be talking about some commits, hopefully then, uh, yeah. as well as leading up to the season and and what have you. So, yeah, thanks for coming on, Jonathan. Uh, as always, people, go check out all of our work on Scoop Duck. Uh, we we do a lot to try to, you know, make that a good site behind the scenes. And, of course, the man J-Hop is, is just the best in the biz in terms of recruiting insiders. So uh, you always got to subscribe for him. Um, but, yeah, that pretty much wraps us up. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just end it with a go Ducks as usual. All right? Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Appreciate you guys.